Hello and welcome to the Power in the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line as he does every week, it's Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Yeah, good, mate. Going well, Winnow. And um, yeah, finally, we've yeah, got to the end of the NBA regular season. It's always a bit of a drag, uh, those last couple of weeks getting through. And and I, we're just chatting off the air around um, our fantasy grand final just being played. And yeah, in the end, it really becomes a, a who's who of the G League, really, and, and how many of those guys you can get onto your roster in the last week. It becomes a bit of a... Get a Jalen Horde onto your roster, Caddy, to carry you to the championship. Bit of a guessing game in the end, but um, yeah, one of our avid listeners and, and great supporters of the podcast, um, the Blue Chips uh, franchise has come out the the fantasy champion of, of the season. And, Deservedly um, yeah. so too. Deservedly so. Yeah, well, I think he, he might have even been the minor premier or at least the one or two seed, so he'd been a dominant force all year and, and in the end just found enough to, to get over the, the top of the Black Magic franchise. So yeah, what was a pretty tight grand final in the end. It was. There was two categories, I think, that uh, were really tight. Steals, maybe, I think. The Chips won by one or two, and then even the points in the end uh, were very tight. So, no, congratulations to the Chips. He'd been downplaying himself, Caddy, for a lot of the season, just sort of trying to palm off uh, title favouritism to, to Black Magic or uh, even Tails' mob. But, no, he was clearly the better team all year and deservedly the winner in our fantasy league. So, now, Caddy, we've... We come down to the business end of the season, and as we did last year, Caddy, we're going to do our second annual playoff X Factor. So we're going to do it just for the six teams that we know have uh, definitely locked up a playoff spot. We've obviously got the playing games, which we will touch on a bit later. But as I said, Caddy, we did this last year, and this is where we learned about your unhealthy obsession with Bryn Forbes. So let's see if you can uh, shoehorn him in this year, Caddy, to your playoff X Factors. But we're going to kick it off in the Western Conference, and we'll start with the number one seed, the Phoenix Suns, clearly the, the best team all season and, and certainly the title favourite, uh, favorite, certainly in my eyes, anyway, heading into this postseason, Caddy. So who have you got as the biggest X factor for the Phoenix Suns heading into the postseason? Yeah, look, you know, we know they're a, a terrifically deep uh, team and they've, you know, withstood a, a fair bit of duress in the end uh, this season. I think we thought they were getting a pretty – Pretty fair ride of things early on, but yeah, they've had to withstand some some serious injuries uh, throughout the year, and you know they've been able to showcase that they can cover um, most of anything that's thrown at them. But the guy that I, I'm really looking forward to these playoffs was um, someone I, I actually brought him into our fantasy, uh, my own fantasy team off the wire um, at a point during the season, and, and he just got on a, a real nice tear just prior to then yeah getting I think it was a quad injury. So Cam Johnson for me is the guy that will come off the bench uh, for the Phoenix Suns and. I think you know if he can really um, you know get that three point game going again, it just gives um, you know this you know really strong outfit just another dimension, uh, particularly from outside the arc. So um, now he's a guy that you know as I said he's showed he was capable of playing you know better than just a, a bit of a pinch hit off the bench. I think where he was probably at last year, whereas this year you know he showed some games where he was playing in the the twenties and into the thirty minutes a game. So if he can give that type of production on the bench and give him you know that ten to fifteen points. At a high clip from three, then um, yeah, that's going to be a significant um, advantage and an asset uh, to the Phoenix Suns as they journey through the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. I'm pretty sure I had Johnson as my playoff X factor last year, and and he was just one of those players that every time during last season's playoff that he he got that that open corner three. It just seemed to drop every single time. So, yeah, he's clearly going to be an X factor for them this year. He's taken his game to another level, and as you mentioned, I think it was probably about that period where you picked him up. Off the waiver wire, he just started going bananas, and he had it was like a it was a huge game, wasn't it? And then went got injured or didn't play 
for a bit of a sustained period after that. But no, that that's certainly a great one. And, and he's a and he's he's a tallish player too, so he's obviously very handy on the defensive end as well. Uh, the X factor I'm going to go for for the Phoenix Suns this year is is a player they picked up this year, and I don't know if they thought they were going to get quite the output they have from him. But Javale McGee has been outstanding for the for the Phoenix Suns. When you just look at his numbers, he's played almost 16 minutes a game, 9.2 points a game, 6.7 rebounds, and 1.1 blocks, 63% from the field. Now we saw what happened last year to the Phoenix Suns when they got a couple of injuries to their to their backup bigs, uh, Dario Saric. Uh, went down with that knee injury late in the playoffs, and then they had to turn to Frank Kaminsky at stages, and he just can't get the job done. But I think having JaVale McGee as that backup to DeAndre Ayton is is going to be a really big sort of factor for them in this playoffs. And when you just glance at the per 36, uh, per, per 36 minutes uh, numbers, his numbers stack up. Now, I'm not suggesting that he could match it with Aiton because he, he clearly couldn't do what he's doing over a 36-minute period. But his numbers actually stack up really good per 36 against DeAndre Aiton. So points per game, 20.9 for McGee, 21 for Aiton. He actually out-rebounds in 15.2 to 12.5, and the blocks uh, 3.1 – or 3, sorry, to 1.9. So you're sort of getting – not 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 quite as good as version of Aiton off the bench because Aiton's a much better defender, but somebody that's maybe seventy percent maybe of what you get from Aiton for that for that ten to fifteen minutes, and that's really important having somebody who can come off the bench and just not let you down, isn't it, Caddy? Oh, absolutely, and you know they they've even got another guy there um, beyond uh, Bismack Biombo you can come in and and support as well. So they're pretty loaded um, all the way through um, Phoenix, and I think they're going to. You know, be kept in, in good stead in, in all positions, really. We saw, obviously, Chris Paul go out of the side for a long time. And, you know, I think they've got enough depth coverage as well. Um, they picked up Aaron Holiday there um, in the trade period. And, obviously, Landry Shemitz, another guy that can come in and score for them. And Cam, um, Campaigner, we saw really develop uh, last year as well. So I think they're pretty well served all the way through. And I think that could be, you know, a real advantage to them. You know, I, I think we see a lot of the teams go to a shorter rotation in the playoffs and, and fair enough too. But, um, you know, this this side will at least have some coverage, you know, if there are some injuries along the way and, you know, and, or, you know, foul trouble to any of their, their major guys. So I think, you know, they're, they're in, a, in a strong position, Phoenix, and who outlined it, um, they're pretty well, pretty well there. They certainly are, Caddy. We'll move on now to the number two seed, the Memphis Grizzly. Who have you gone for as their X Factor? Um, well, yeah, again, another team that has shown throughout the year that they can be, you know, quite deep all the way through. But I, I think for them, it's Jaron Jackson Jr. I know he's one of their probably top echelon players, but I just think if they're to really make a significant move here and, you know, they're the, sec- the second seed. So, you know, based on that, you'd be thinking they're, you know, every chance to get all the way through to, to the Western Conference Finals. But they're going to need some really strong games out of uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., who, you know, I think we've seen at, at times this year has developed – you know, he's all round game. We know he's a really good defender, and you know he's, he's starting to to get a bit more action outside from the, the three point line as well. So I think if he can, you know, shoot shoot well out from there, you know, get you know, give them really good production offensively. Um, you know, if they can get in that sort of eighteen to twenty point a game range and, and take some of the scoring heat off some of their guards, and I think it's going to you know really bode well for Memphis. So he's averaged, you know, the 16 points and six rebounds a game uh, throughout this season. But yeah, I, I think, you know, he's going to have to try and stay on the floor, ensure that he's, you know, doesn't get into any serious foul trouble and um, yeah, and, and try and stay healthy and, and, and be someone that can, can be there for the, the majority of the, the playoff run for them. So yeah, I, I think they're again, a, a team that can cover, 
nearly everything. You know, we've seen you know how well they've done without John Moran even this year. But you know, if they can get a real lift and a, a bit of you know even more than what we've seen uh, generally speaking from Jackson, if he can really elevate his game, probably a little bit like we saw DeAndre Ayton do last year for Phoenix, where he, he really showcased that. He was going to be a really key cog in, in what they did. I think if Jackson can have a similar postseason, um, he, he'll be thought of, you know, in terms of those, you know, that, that sort of importance. Yeah, no doubt. He, he's had an outstanding season. I, I was um, sorry to keep bringing up our fantasy team, but I was lucky enough to to get him into my fantasy team. And the numbers he put up, I don't think the numbers truly really reflect the impact that that he had. On, on the Memphis Grizzlies this season, so no doubt. And I was going to put the caveat, Caddy, before we started doing this, that you can't pick an all-star. So he does qualify. He's not an all-star. So you, you haven't gone outside the boundaries there, but he's he's certainly going to be in the running for the Defensive Player of the Year. Um, his ability to protect the rim is really crucial for this Memphis Grizzlies. Last year I went with Dylan Brooks, Caddy, and I'm going to back that up again because I love what Brooks brings to the table. He's got that sort of... The big balls about him, if you want to call it that, he's, he's in the opposition players' face a lot. He can he can knock down some some shots. He's got you know he's never seen a shot he doesn't like. He's his three ball probably hasn't dropped at the level he would have liked this year. It just just a tick over thirty percent. But he's very very confident. We've seen him. He's only played the thirty two games. He started thirty one of those. He's one of those guys that have really stepped up when Morant's been off the court, and he has the the capabilities of you know scoring thirty plus points a game. So th- there's no doubt a lot of focus and pressure from the opposition are going to go, you know, clearly onto Jar Morant. So it's these players in behind him. Desmond Baines obviously had, had an outstanding year. Uh, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., who you've already mentioned. I think those three there have to be able to stand up. Uh, when the heat goes on to Morant and, and put some points on the board. So it's a it's a really interesting postseason, I think, for the Memphis Grizzlies. They were a bit of a, I guess, a darling, if you want to call them that, of the playoffs last year. They they knocked off Golden State in that playing game, which surprised everybody, and then come out and, you know, put, put up a pretty good effort um, in their first-round series. And we saw Ja Morant really explode for a couple of big games in the playoffs last year. Good to see him get back out on the court in their last game as well to to shake off a bit of rust leading into the playoffs. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what this young uh, Memphis Grizzlies teams could do. And, and, and certainly the two guys that we've spoken about are going to have a really big role for the Grizzlies to see how deep they can go into the playoffs. Moving on now, Caddy, to the third seed Golden State Warriors. They've got quite a few question marks for me heading into the postseason, but who have you got as their biggest X factor? Yeah, well, they've, got, they've drawn a pretty tough matchup, haven't they, with Denver in the first round. So it's going to be an exciting, absolutely exciting uh, series, I think. I think you know this is one that could go absolutely either way. I don't think Golden State will be going in feeling terrifically well about themselves. I mean, we still want to see Steph Curry at some point, get back into the lineup. But I think the guy that's probably been starting in his spot um, since he's been out, and, and we saw him do it at the start of the season when Clay Thompson wasn't playing, was Jordan Poole. And, and I think, you know, we know the reliance on him will, will diminish when Curry's back on the team and if Clay Thompson's healthy. But we've seen time and time again this guy's capable of scoring, you know, in, in the bulk um, pog points here in the 20s and 30s on any given night. Um, you know, he can, go, he can go cold like we saw him against San Antonio early in the week. Where he was, you know, one from eleven from three and three from nineteen from the field. But you know, that that's just part of, you know, um, you know, his output at times where he's a bit a bit streaky. He can get um, get on a roll and, and then have have a bit of a heat check. But um, no, he's a guy that I think, you know, when you know, if in doubt on some injuries um, for Curry and even Thompson at times as the 
playoffs go and, and even early on in this first series against Denver, I think you know they're going to probably rely on him a fair bit in terms of playing some some, some serious minutes um, for this out for this outfit. So uh, I went with Jordan Poole there in the sh- shooting guard position, and you know I think he's going to have to be relied on at times to to step in and and, and you know be a key offensive uh, part of what they do. Yeah, he's a prime candidate for this X Factor role, isn't he? He's his last month has been outstanding at twenty, effectively twenty six points a game, four rebounds, six six assists, hitting four three pointers a game. So, as you said, in Curry's absence, he he's just taken his game to another level and looks like a legitimate you know, scorer in the, in this league. Uh, we had some question marks on him after that early start to the season, but he's he's entered the season has been outstanding. I'm going to go with Jonathan Kaminga now. The biggest question mark on Kaminga is how many minutes a game, I guess, are they going to give him? Are they going to have enough confidence? Um, is Steve Kerr going to have enough confidence to insert Kaminga into the game? He's played the set, the 70 games so far this season at almost 17 minutes a game. So will will Kerr have the confidence to put him in or will he just sort of go back and you know rely upon an Andre Iguodala who we know can do it and who we've seen can do it in the past and Otto Porter Jr. Uh, is he going to get minutes over any of these guys? Because... Kaminga brings something to the table that no one else on this uh, Golden State Warrior roster can bring, and that's just extreme uh, athleticism. We've seen his ability to finish above the rim, his ability to run the floor, you know, even his ability to block shots. Now, he's not a great defender because he's still young and very raw and can get in the wrong positions, but he just he, he's raw athleticism. It's just something that I, I think can bring some real X factor to the Warriors at stages. It, it Maybe if the game's not going in their direction, they throw him out there and he sort of changes the pace of the game. Well, how, do you, how do you think it's going to go, Caddy, for Kaminga during the playoffs? Do you think he's probably going to be a little bit on the back burner and not get much of a run? Or do you think her might sort of throw caution into the, wing and, into the wind and, and get him out there? Uh, look, I think initially they'll probably go with the guys that they might trust a little bit more, uh, particularly in, 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 as I said, what's going to be a really tough series against Denver. And I think, yeah, he will get more of an opportunity, A, when if the chips are really down and they need something different or, or you know, if it is a guy like if Goodella doesn't come back in healthy or Otto Porter Jr. is not playing consistently because of health or, um, you know, Bayelitsa, whoever it is, I think there's opportunity there in all those positions to come in and take some minutes. But I think initially... Um, I dare say the Warriors would be a bit more cautious in terms of um, trusting a little bit more their experienced guys um, and then, yeah, look for a bit of youthful exuberance, you know, at, at, at times when they're looking potentially a little bit flat. And that's where he will then develop a bit more trust if he if he does well and, and then earns a few more minutes as, as the playoffs continue with the Golden State Warriors are fortunate enough to continue through. So I dare say, you know, and, and who knows, but I, I think he might be, Probably on the outside, looking in initially, um, and then looking to build build a bigger role as they go um, as he continues to build some more trust. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right there. I would love to see him sort of get thrown in right from the start, but I, I tend to agree. I think they're probably going to go with the more tried and tested players. We'll move on now, Caddy, to the fourth seeded Dallas Mavericks, who had a huge injury today to Luka Doncic. They're saying a calf injury. At this stage, we're not sure how long he's going to be out, but it doesn't look great. It's never great when you when you do a calf injury on the eve of the playoffs and sort of had to be helped off the court as well. So let, let's assume Doncic is going to be out on the court for, for these playoffs. Who have you got, Caddy, as the biggest X factor for the Dallas Mavericks? Yeah, really easy one for me on this one. It goes back to, I think, in the preseason uh, when we were talking after um, 
you know, the off-season signings. And I saw that, well, I thought that Reggie Bullock was one of the, the best signings of the off-season for the Dallas You Patriots. loved him, Caddy. I, I, <laughs> I said, who is, who is the signing that sort of caught your attention? Out of everyone in the NBA, you went with Reggie Bullock and I loved it. Well, you know, he, he did start off slowly. There's no doubt about that and, and trying to find a role in this team and, and how it all fitted in. But I think really since the trade period and Pazingas leaving it, then, you know, they just had to reshuffle the way they did things. And it did create, I think, more opportunity for Reggie Bullock uh, in this lineup when they were playing a little bit smaller, Dinwiddie playing a lot of minutes there and then and Bullock, you know, really owning one of those wing spots. And, yeah, look, he's gone a bit cold the last couple of games. But, um, yeah, there was a bit of a... Period a couple of weeks ago where yeah really started to to heat up. I think it was at the start of February, almost before that All Star break, where he was you know consistently getting into the twenty points a game and shooting really well from three. So again, you know, let's assume Doncic is healthy and and really feeling it through the playoffs because we've seen in the past you know what level he can go to in the playoffs. But he's going to need some support around him either way. And um, yeah, Billock's a guy that at least he can help spread the floor for them, you know, take a bit of heat out of Jontic when he, he does get the double team. And if they, you know, if, a, if an opposition side's willing to, to let Bullock, um, you know, sit out there on his own, then he, he's got the ability to hurt them. So I'd look, I'd look for him capable of pay, playing, you know, big minutes here for the Dallas Mavericks. They're going to need him too. And he really needs to get that three ball uh, falling and, and, and really making, forcing the opposition to come out and defend him and then opening up potentially more opportunities for Dinwiddie and Luka Doncic. So it's good that we've identified you, you're this season's Bryn Forbes. On, on, so we know that's <laughs> Reggie Bullock. That's good. But you, you, you've nailed it there in the fact that um, the, the Mavs need their, their three-point shooters to knock down those open threes. And that's why I've gone with Dorian Finney-Smith, who who's th- their best wing defender as well. So he's got, a, he's got a huge role to play on the defensive end, as I said, taking taking the best offensive player for the opposition night in, night out. But also his ability to hit that open corner three. He shot the three ball at almost 40% for the season. Uh, he's their best three-point shooter percentage-wise, just below Spencer Dinwiddie, who's somehow turned himself into Steph Curry since he's been traded to the Dallas Mavericks. But, yeah, the, the ability for these guys, um, not only Finney Smith and, and Reggie Bullock, but, yeah, certainly Dinwiddie, uh, Jalen Brunson, you know, Maxi Kleber, these guys who can who will get these open three-point shots to, to knock them down when, when required, that'll just give Doncic some, you know, they'll have to actually honour these guys and maybe Doncic will get a little bit more time and space to, to weave his magic. But, yeah, I've gone with a with a similar player to Reggie Bullock in Dorian Finney-Smith, but he's 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 important both on the on the defensive end and the offensive end. So just, just a huge... Off, uh, postseason run for, for the Dallas Mavericks because they've they've been very unlucky, Caddy, the last couple of seasons, coming up against the Clippers two years in a row, um, who were equipped basically the best equipped team to handle Luka Doncic given they had Paul George and uh and Kawhi Leonard and Doncic was still good enough to put up ridiculous numbers. So they've got a chance now to to make it through to the second round. So let's keep our fingers crossed that Doncic can get healthy and get back out on the court and and they can make a really good fist of this first round series. We'll move on now, Caddy, to the fifth-seeded Utah Jazz. And they've got, again, a a number of question marks heading into this postseason run. But who have you gone with, Caddy, for the biggest X Factor? Yeah, well, these are going to be the Dallas Mavericks opponents. Um, Yeah, and we can, you know, probably barrack a bit more for Dallas this time around because clearly Joe Ingles is no longer in town and there's probably not that connection that we once had uh, to the Utah Jazz. So I've gone with Bojan Bogdanovic, I think. Again, just that... The secondary scorer um, to take a bit of the heat out of Donovan Mitchell when he comes into the team. Jordan Clarkson, we know, is a, a terrific scorer off the bench for them, but they really need 
Bogdanovich here to to you know play some really high level basketball. I think he, again, this guy started the season relatively slowly. It took him a while to kind of get get going, I think, and um, yeah, he's been able to get into some form um, or a bit better form later in the season, and, and just consistently needs to to perform here for the Utah Jazz. And again, it's just all about supporting their star level players. Where we've seen in the playoffs where you know Utah have relied a little bit too heavily, I think, on Donovan Mitchell from an offensive point of view. We know Gobert. You know, he's going to be, um, you know, a, a huge influence from the defensive end. Is that Mitchell's it's, fault, though, Caddy? He seems to take it upon himself and and he sort of gets very self-orientated and doesn't look to pass the ball around. Do you think they need to, I don't know, have a word to him or, or try and come up with a better system than just Donovan Mitchell isolating and living and dying by the by his shots? Yeah, I think he definitely goes also far too many, uh, too many times and slows down. The rhythm, because when they're at their best, Utah, and uh, is when they're you know moving the ball and and really um, moving around, utilizing each other and and um, relying on their secondary players to to hit big shots. And Bogdanovich is clearly in the team to to be able to do that, um, no doubt about that. So yeah, pot- pot- potentially you know Quinn Snyder's got to come in and and probably you know reinforce the fact that they're going to be really dependent on their whole roster. I don't think Mitchell, um, if he thinks he's just going to go head-to-head with Luka Doncic all series, it's going to, it's going to be a terrific outcome for them. I think, um, yeah, they're, they're going to be probably better by the sum of all their parts. Um, Utah, if they can include everyone, and Bogdanovich really as a leader, should be able to step in and, and, and you know, play some big games here. And, and, and again, you, you know, you're talking about numbers from a scoring point of view. He needs to be averaging 20 points a game through these playoffs. And shooting the, the three ball, you know, in that 40 45% range, ideally, um, to really help. Again, we talk about spreading the floor, and that might help keep a guy like Rudy Gobert on the court a bit longer if um, offensively, you know, he's, he's being able to be utilised a little bit more rather than um, just seeing Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson isolations all the way through. Yeah, they're, they're, they're one, of, as I said, one of the more interesting teams heading into this postseason. We've heard so many rumours about the discontent from Donovan Mitchell and uh, Rudy Go- I'm sorry, and um, Rudy Gobert. So yeah, it's it's a huge postseason for them, and we'll we'll break down all these series on next week's uh, show when when we know exactly who everybody is playing. I'm going to go for similar to Dorian Finney-Smith. I'm going to go for Royce O'Neal. He plays a really big role for them on the defensive end. He's he's tasked with taking the best uh, wing offensive player. But but again, as I said, similar to Dorian Finney-Smith, he also has to be able to knock down the open three ball. So he's shooting just under forty percent uh, from three, thirty nine percent at four attempts a game. So they're gonna he's going to be shooting at least four, five, maybe even six attempts a game, and they need that to be up around you know the. 42 to 43% to, to have a really um, effective offense. So I, I think Royce O'Neill is a guy that, that really needs to step up. He's only averaging the, the 7.5 points a game. If they can, if he can average over 10, 11 points a game, it just takes a lot of pressure. And you spoke about there how much it sort of um, bogs down a little bit when it's Donovan Mitchell isolating. So if they can just get a few of these guys outside, Mitchell chipping in. Doesn't have to be a huge amount, an extra four or five points a game just to take that little bit of pressure off Donovan Mitchell is going to have a, have a huge impact on the Utah Jazz. And I think Royce O'Neal, for me, given his his ability on the defensive end and his ability on the offensive end to knock down the three ball, is going to have a big role for the Utah Jazz and needs to play well if the Jazz are going to, to get past this really uh, tough first-round series against the Dallas Mavericks. So we'll close out the Western Conference now, Caddy, with the Denver Nuggets. Who have you gone for? Which uh, which foot soldier, Caddy, have you gone for <laughs> under Nikola Jokic? Well, I've gone really, really wide, and this guy, yeah, literally is going to support Nikola Jokic, and that's the Marcus Cousins. 
Um, because oh, Boogie. He, he, He's is he going to get any minutes at all, Caddy, in the postseason? Well, he, he might have to, and you know, depending on you know foul trouble in particular and, and health. Um, let's let's touch wood, health isn't an issue. But he's been brought in here to, to support Jokic, and um, yeah, he's been he's been able to find some consistent backup minutes um, all the way you know through since he's been there in Denver. So even in the month of I think it was in the month of March, averaging nearly fifteen minutes a game. So if, you know, if he can get out there and play, you know, even if it is eight to ten minutes um, of solid backup, you know, he's got six fouls to give. Um, you know, I, I think you know that, that's every chance to be most of those to get used up uh, at time to time. So yeah, he's in there to, to throw a big body around and and really um, you know make sure that there are forty eight really strong minutes at, at, of centre play uh, for Denver. And you know, I think there's an advantage there potentially in the big man department against Golden State in this first round matchup that can be exploited um, if Denver are, are smart about it. And um, yeah, I think if Cousins can stand up. And play a support role. We know he's got still got some tricks offensively. He's reliable down there uh, to feed the ball into. He can make get it get you a bucket when things you know might dry up a little bit. Um, so yeah, so I went a little bit wide on this one, but I think yeah, he's been brought in specifically to to support Jokic, and let's see see him take a bit of the um, you know a bit of the pressure off Nikola Jokic, potentially you know in the event that there's foul trouble or an injury. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with Cousins, whether he's just. If he's even involved in the rotation, so if he is, he can certainly put some points on the board. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Boogie. I've gone for the ultimate X factor in Jeff Green. You just never know what you're going to get out of Uncle Jeff Green. He's had some some playoff series in the past. Just looking when he was with Houston only two seasons ago in that first round playoff uh, in in that seven game series against OKC. He was he was almost fourteen points a game, six and a half rebounds. So that's that's the sort of stuff that he is capable of doing. But as I said, you're never really quite sure what you're going to get out of Jeff Green. But if he can actually come to the party and and help Jokic and and put some points on the board, he, he's still a very good athlete. Um, he's okay defensively. Certainly not going to you know, be uh, be you're not going to think he's going to be any defensive uh, player of the year candidate, but he he's a guy that can come off the bench and score some points really quickly. He just gets hot all of a sudden, and you know he can have a ten point quarter. And, and this is what they're going to need out of these guys uh, underneath Jokic, because you know Will Barton and and Aaron Gordon have been the second leading scorers behind uh, Jokic, and they're only at fifteen points a game. So. You know, how much are you going to get out of those guys in the playoffs? Can you rely upon a Will Barton to night night in, night out, um, put some points on the board? You're going to need these some of these guys underneath Jokic to have a good quarter here, a good quarter there. And I just reckon out of all these guys, maybe along with the Bones Highland as well, uh, the rookie who's had a, a very good season and can get hot, uh, these guys underneath Jokic need to come out. And just in spurts, um, just contribute. And I think Jeff Green could be the guy to do that for the Denver Nuggets. So we're going to switch over now, Caddy, to the Eastern Conference and the number one seed, the Miami Heat. Who have you got as their biggest playoff X Factor? Uh, well, we've spoken a lot about him all, all through the year and, um, you know, pretty important to everything they do. And that's Tyler Harrow. He's you know, probably borderline type of all-star level player now and um, has had a brilliant season uh, for the Miami Heat. We know that they are, you know, one of the ultimate depth teams here. They've got so much support across most positions. And, you know, I think they're going to, Going to need that there, and, and Tyler Hero. You know, we speak about you know a lot of people coming off the bench and mining it up. He's the guy for them. They can can well and truly do that. He, he's had an outstanding year. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Averaging the 20 points a game. So yeah, if he can elevate again, like we saw in his rookie season in the bubble, where he really did uh, have a terrific playoff series, then I, I think you know that's going to um, bode really well for Miami if he can come out and, and play at that sort of all star 
almost all-star level. And you know, I, I really admire guys that can come off the bench and really get, get into their groove straight away and, and you know be, be confident enough to, to get involved in the offense automatically. And he's a guy that can do that. Doesn't matter that he sits off the first six seven minutes, comes in, takes his chances straight away, and gets gets it rolling and continues the momentum if they've built that up at the start of the game for Miami. So Hero for mine, you know, if he can come out. Again, play at that really high level. Um, they're going to be hard to beat once again, Miami. Yeah, he, he certainly is a huge X, X factor for them. He, he sort of becomes their go-to scorer late in games as well. So if Tyler Hero doesn't have a big postseason, the Miami Heat might struggle late in games, as we have seen them do throughout the season. So hopefully, from a Miami Heat, Heat uh, supporter's perspective, Caddy Hero can have a big postseason. I've gone with Maxi Struess, who has worked his way into the starting lineup over the last six games. They've relegated Duncan Robinson uh, to the bench, who's had a disappointing season, uh, shooting only 37% from three. And given the reason he he got that big contract in the offseason was his ability to knock down the three ball at you know, 42 43%, to, to be down at 37%, uh, given he doesn't do a hell of a lot more, um, has been disappointing. But Struess has basically played as a as a home brand version of Duncan Robinson, you know, he's on a, he's on a, a uh, rookie scale contract at the moment, a minimum contract. And he's, he's probably been better than Duncan Robinson this year. So as I said, inserted, inserted into the starting lineup over the last six games, been really good at, you know, a 20 point game uh, sprinkled in there. He's shooting 41% from three. He's a good athlete as well, a better athlete, certainly than Duncan Robinson. He can finish above the rim at stages and, and a better defender as well. So I think just having those guys around Butler and Lowry and Hero and, and Bam, uh, just another guy who can who can knock down the down the three. Because when, when you look at their, their starting lineup, they start Jimmy Butler, a non-shooter from three. Bam Adebayo, a non-shooter from three. PJ Tucker can shoot the three, but he takes an hour and a half to get the shot off. So he's not somebody that the opposition have to really, really close down. So they start almost three guys that, that struggle to shoot the rock. So they need they need Duncan Robinson certainly to start hitting the three, but they need Struess and, and Caleb Martin and these guys to be able to, to knock down the three and Tyler Hero as well, obviously, and Kyle Lowry is capable of knocking down the three. So they need these guys around Butler and and Bam to hit the three. And I think Maxi Struess, if he has a big postseason, the Miami Heat are going to be, going to be very difficult to beat. And and the other one, we're only supposed to do a one, I know, but Victor Oladipo is just an ultimate X factor. He had forty points today uh in, in a game that, that they sat all their all their starters. So he's had a couple of big games sort of of late. Now they've been in games that didn't really matter and it's gonna be so interesting. Where, where, where do you where do you see him fitting in into you know, like assuming all their players are fit on the court, what what's his role um in this first round potentially in the playoffs? I think pretty minimal, to be honest. Even though I said he's just had 40 points, I don't think Spolster has probably quite got the confidence in him. And given guys like Vincent and Struess and Caleb Martin have done it right through right through the season, I, I think um, Spolster is one of these coaches that once you gain his trust, you've got it. And I'm not sure Oladipo's got that yet. So it might be he gets thrown into a game when they're struggling and he and he has a big impact and then maybe he's able to hold his spot. But I, I reckon initially, Caddy, he's probably going to struggle to to be maybe even in the rotation. And if he is, it's going to be in, in limited minutes. But, you know, as I said, he, he could be a guy that comes off the bench in a, a round two, say, that, say they get past Atlanta, whoever they play in the first round. They get to round two. They're coming up against, uh, who would that be against? It'd be against Philadelphia. And they're struggling for whatever reason. They throw Oladipo out there. Now we know he's capable of putting points on the board. He could come out and have 
20 points in 20 minutes and then he's in the rotation. But I think initially he's probably going to be on the outside looking in um, and it'll just be a wait and see. If we're, if Miami is struggling, then he'll get out on the court. Uh, we'll move on now, Caddy, to the to the second seeded and we saw a little bit of trickery with uh, Milwaukee today and it gave handed Boston the second seed. But the second seeded Boston Celtics, Caddy, who have you got as their playoff X Factor? Well, I think you would have got laughed out of the room if you mentioned this player as being an X Factor in anything uh, this season. But he's become really, really important based on a number of factors, and that's a uh, big Daniel Tice in the centre position because yeah, pretty much yes. since um, big time Lord Robert Williams um, has been hurt, he's been asked to do a lot more than I'm sure that they would have even uh, thought or, or wanted him uh, to be involved with uh, this year. So he was able to obviously get get to Boston at the trade deadline um, in a trade there with Houston. So it, it's been a, a bit of a, a lucky move really for Boston because, he, he look, he's come in and, and just in this month alone in the six games that they've played, he's averaging the 29 minutes, 13 points, five rebounds a game. So he's been asked to, to play a lot more minutes. And I think, again, um, we, we've spoken a few times this year about the Eastern Conference and, and you know, a lot of the star big guys that are in there, then they, they, they're going to really need to rely on Daniel Tice to, to give them some solid minutes and, and not just be there as a, as a statue, really get involved and, and you know, he can spread the floor a little bit, get outside for a, for a three ball and rebounds reasonably well. But, um, yeah, they're going to need him to stay there. Him paired up there with Al Horford in the big man's apartment for, for Boston. There's a lot that's going to get asked of them and, yeah, they might be living and dying about how well these guys can stand up and if, if Tice can play his role there and, and, you know, play at least at the minimum of what he's done in the the last sort of week or two, then it, it should hold them in relatively good stead, hopefully, um, that they can have a successful playoff run. Yeah, there's been some rumours floating around, Caddy, that maybe Robert Williams might be back during the first round. But, yeah, Daniel Tice, everybody sort of looked at that and thought, and that's a bit of a strange pickup. And this is just Brad Stevens continuing his love affair with Daniel Tice. But it, it, it's uh, turned out to be a shrewd pickup at the at the deadline because, as you said, since – since Williams was gone out, Tice has been been really important for the Celtics. I've gone with their other trade uh, deadline uh, addition in Derek White. So he's obviously got the the San Antonio you know pedigree. He's played in big games with them. He's played for Team USA, and he's just fitted in seamlessly with the uh, with the Boston Celtics since he's come across. Now he's shooting. Certainly, you would like to see get much higher than his moment. He's only shooting thirty percent from three, so that for me is the X factor for Derek White. As I said, he's fitted in seamlessly because he's he's been brought up in in Popovich's system where the ball moves and he moves and he knows how to defend. He knows the right spots to get to. He know he just knows how to play basketball. So if he can actually, you know, do do all those things well, but then start to hit the three at you know, a high 30% clip, which he's capable of doing. We've, we've seen him go up and down a little bit with his three-point shooting throughout his career, but he's certainly capable of shooting high 30s from three. So if he can do that, he's obviously a very good defender as well. One of the reasons that, that the Celtics have been able to get this defense, you know, right on track in this, you know, latter half of the season. So, you know, he's been a really good pickup. They, they gave up quite a bit to get him. They've given up that, that future first-round pick as well to to acquire him. But, it, but it's been a, a really shrewd pickup, I think, by Stevens. And if he has a big postseason and knocks down that three ball, you know, the Celtics are going to be really tough to, to topple. Caddy, we'll move on now to the third-seeded Milwaukee Bucks. And as I said, they, they played a bit of uh, trickery today to... 
Not sure whether they were trying to avoid uh, a potential matchup with Brooklyn or they were just really happy to play your boy Chicago in the first round, Caddy. But they basically tanked the game today. But who have you got for the Milwaukee Bucks as their biggest playoff X Factor? Well, I think they, they did everything that they should have done today, to be honest. I think that matchup there with the Bulls is going to be pretty appetising for them. And, um, you know, the Chicago side just haven't got within anywhere near them this whole season. So they'd be feeling really good about uh about their prospects in that first round matchup. So all credit to them for doing what they needed to do today. Now, in terms of Milwaukee, I mean that we know that they're pretty star studded at the top. And I have chosen one of those guys. He's, he's a you know borderline level all-star player, but it was more to give him a bit of a shout out also for his performance uh today as well, where he um effectively took the court. Yes. Um, six seconds, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, just committed a foul, you know, in the first six seconds, just so he could uh, pocket, I think it was about an extra two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars us just to get yep. um met the games criteria or the threshold that was going to trigger uh that bonus for him so i didn't did certainly enjoy that as did a lot kudos, of kudos for the bucks the for, for allowing him to do that too. <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah they, were, they were certainly all well aware of it because um yeah there was pandemonium on the bench as he as he came back off all these uh teammates getting around him so now but, but in all seriousness due holiday again um was you know just so super important and, and a real difference maker in the playoffs all the way through to the finals last season. So I think, he, you know, once again, if he can, um, you know, really lock down defensively and, and also, you know, give them a bit, a few more avenues offensively as well. He's just such a, um, it's such a key part of everything they're going to do um, and, and really what sort of shifted the needle for them, I think, in terms of becoming a championship team. And yeah, I understand he, he certainly, you know, that's the level of play that we'd expect from a guy that's getting paid what he done, uh, what he does, and also what Milwaukee gave up to trade for him. But I still think it's really important if he can come out in these playoffs and 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 really set that set that standard again defensively and and really hunt the opposition and and help set them up offensively as well. Yeah, no doubt he, he's he's a huge player for them as as, as you've mentioned. His, his defense is absolutely outstanding. So there's no doubt that he's probably your borderline. You can just get him because he hasn't been an all star. But uh, yeah, no, he's certainly going to be very important for for the Milwaukee Bucks. I've gone with my man from last year again, old crazy eyes Bobby Portis. Now he's obviously lost his starting job since uh, Brook Lopez came back into the into the rotation back from his uh, back injury. But he's still he's still a very important part. Of this team, he's averaging nearly the fifteen points a game, nine rebounds, forty eight percent from the field, and and surprisingly, 30, almost forty percent from three as well. So he's a guy that's just just almost instant offense. He, he's out there. He's not afraid to to hoist up the threes. And obviously, you know, similar to the Dallas Mavericks, when you're playing with a guy like Giannis who commands so much attention from the defense, you are going to get a lot of open shots. So Portis is a guy that, you know, we saw him do this throughout the playoffs last season. He became a, a real fan favorite. You know, for for his intensity and for his ability to knock down big shots and 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 take big shots, as I said, he's not afraid to take them. So again, he's going to be able to play a big role because there are stages when, as important as Brook Lopez is to the team, that he can't quite stay out on the court as much as as he would like, and they do have to go a bit small, whether it's with Giannis at at the five or Bobby Portis, who's a bit more agile than Brook Lopez. So I think. Again, similar to last year, we're going to get those home playoff games and, and Bobby Portis is going to be running around with his crazy eyes and he's going to get the fans all up and going. And Milwaukee can be a, a really tough place to play when, when the fans are up and about. And I think Bobby Portis is going to be the guy for the Bucks that uh, can get the crowd up and going and have a big, big impact, Caddy, for them uh, during the playoffs. 
We'll move on now, Caddy, to the four-seeded Philadelphia 76ers. Who have you got as their biggest playoff X-Factor? Uh, I've got a guy that's yeah, had an outstanding season and he's really had to elevate his game, probably unexpectedly, uh, a little bit at the start of the season when you know when Ben Simmons was on the team. I don't think we'd expect you know, a guy like Tyrese Maxey to have to have had such an impact uh, for this team, but he's become obviously a really key key player for them and a, and a regular contributor, playing big minutes in the guard spot. Now you look back at you know where he was you know this time last year, conference semi-finals, just averaging the ten minutes a game for, um, in the in the first round of the playoffs, just averaging the fifteen minutes a game. So there's going to be a fair bit more asked of him uh, this season. So I really hope for you know in his case he, he can really um, step up to the challenge. We know a lot of the focus of everything they're going to be doing is going to be going through. Joel Embiid and, and James Harden, but if Tyrese Maxey can continue his play, um, you know, he's had such a terrific season, 17 points a game, four assists. So uh, just in this month alone, in April, he's averaged 20 points a game. So, you know, if he can get to stay at that level um, and, and really help, you know, um, spread the load, I suppose, around those star players for uh, Philadelphia, it's going to, you know, be really, really important. I, I have a fair bit of confidence in him. I don't think he's a shrinking role at all. I think he'll actually relish the opportunity to play on the biggest stage. And there might even be a little bit more asking in this first round when we've found out today that um, Matisse Thibel might not even be able to play these away yeah. games in Toronto for yep. vaccination. So we always thought it was going to flush out a player or two once this, uh, once these the, the playoffs came around. And fortunately, it's uh, Aussie Matisse that's um, the guy that might be missing for a couple of games. So that'll just put you know, even more, um, you know, not pressure, but, you know, more onus and responsibility onto uh, Tyrese Maxey to continue to, to play at a really high level. And of course, Corey Irving, born in Australia too, Caddy. So it's obviously these Aussies given given the NBA a bad name, just refusing to get vaccinated. That's that is staggering, isn't it? That they they get this deep in in the season, and obviously Philadelphia looking to win a championship, and you know their best defender is going to be unavailable for games uh, three and four because he's not vaccinated. So yeah, a very interesting uh, set of circumstances there. They're a tough team to get an X factor for the Philadelphia 76ers. So I've almost broken the rule similar to you with the, with the Drew Holiday one. I've gone with Tobias Harris. Now, a guy who who's on a max contract, as you said, with, with Drew Holiday, whether you call him an X factor or not, but he's almost become an afterthought in, in the offense for the Philadelphia 76ers. Obviously, it revolves around firstly Embiid and then Harden. And, and you mentioned Maxi there. He's probably moved up into that third slot um, on the offensive end. And, and Tobias Harris is now almost their fourth option. So... If you're a fourth option on the offensive end, I mean, you become almost an X factor. So you live and die by knocking down shots. So at thirty six percent, almost thirty seven percent from three, he's got to be able to get that up above forty percent. And we know he is capable of, of of scoring in bunches. We've seen him do that right throughout his career. So he, he he's going to become a massive X factor. You know, Harden and and uh, Embiid are capable of of setting their teammates up for some open shots. So he's got to become almost, you know, what they had when they had Seth Curry. Now, he's obviously a different player. He doesn't run off screens and, and he hasn't got that real quick release that, that Curry has. But he's got to be able to – he's he's got to get his three-point shooting up. He's got to be a, a, attempting five or six a game and up above 40% for the for the Philadelphia to, to be successful uh, during these playoffs because they've probably been a little bit disappointing, I'd, I'd say it's, it's fair to say, since his Harden trade. Now, a lot of that goes on to James Harden, and we'll talk about him a little bit more in depth next week when we preview their first-round series. But, uh, yeah, for me, Tobias Harris has to stand up, 
he's not going to play up to that level of a, of a max contract player because he's not going to get the the shots that, that a normal max uh, contract player would get. But he, he has to have a big impact for them, Caddy, uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers to go deep in the postseason, I think. Moving on now to the team they will be playing in that first-round series, the Toronto Raptors, who are a very even bunch, Caddy. Who have you nominated for their playoff X-Factor? Yeah, look, I've gone with the rookie here, Scotty Barnes, and you know it's a lot to ask of a rookie, which is why you know you're probably looking to lessen the pressure or the expectation of of what um, a rookie is going to be able to contribute um, consistently in the playoffs. But I think this guy's you know a bit more mature and, and a bit more ready-made, I think, to sort of come in and impact. We, we've seen him start every game he's played this season, which is an outstanding effort, and I think he's just got better and better as the season's gone on. And I think if he can. You know, continue continue to give them you know really really strong output at both ends of the floor. He's a terrific rebounder. Um, you know, the three point shooting is a bit of a problem from a percentage point of view. He needs to probably look to not take as many threes potentially through the playoffs here and really look to attack the attack the rim and and help you know create other opportunities for his teammates. But I think yeah, a lot's going to be asked of Scotty Barnes as a rookie. It's a, a lot to take on, but he's been well and truly up to it uh, so far this season, and and I'd like to see him continue that sort of form into the playoffs and, and really assert himself as a, a terrific player of the future. Yeah, he's had an outstanding season. He's really forced his way into the Rookie of the Year conversation. It looked like Evan Mobley had it pretty much done and dusted uh, at the halfway point of the season. But I think, you know, just listening and, and reading a few of the articles that are floating around at the moment, that Scotty Barnes is going to be right there in the Rookie of the Year conversation. I've gone with OG Ananobi. Now, I haven't got the rec- I haven't got the statistics in front of me, but the, the Raptors have an outstanding record in the games that Ananobi's played. He's only played the 48 games because he's had a couple of injuries throughout the season. So if he can stay healthy and keep himself on the court, he's an outstanding defender. He's their best wing defender. They're very good uh, defensively. All, all, all their starters are, but Ananobi especially. He's got extra, He's got very long arms, so he's very hard to to shoot over or get around. And he's, it's his ability, like a lot of these defenders, uh, to knock down that three ball is where he's going to be able to separate himself. So he's he's attempting almost seven, well, six and a half threes a game at thirty six percent. So if he can push that up into that high thirties, all of a sudden he becomes such a, a he's already a valuable player, but a very very valuable player. His ability to defend and knock down the three and you know given coming up against Philadelphia you'd imagine that he's going to spend quite a bit of time on James Harden in that first round series so anytime that somebody's going up defensively against the opposition sort of ball handler he's going to be very important to to that team's success so Ananobi especially in this first round series with his ability to defend uh, James Harden and then his ability to knock down the open three is going to be you know a huge X factor I think uh, for the Toronto Raptors throughout the playoffs. We'll finish up, Caddy, with the six-seeded Chicago Bulls. Your boys here. I've, I've sort of detected that you're not all that confident going into their first-round series, but who are you going to nominate, Caddy, as their playoff X-Factor? Yeah, look, I think it was probably the worst matchup they probably could have got, <laughs> if, if I'm being honest. And it, I think Boston would have been their best. So it was, a, yeah, a bit of a, a tough one to swallow, I think, for all Bulls supporters when they we saw the way it fell um, today. So, look, they're going to be up against it. And the guy that... Now, again, probably cheating a little bit here in terms of the level of play this guy is. But if Nikola Vucevic doesn't step up in this postseason, then it's absolutely going to be a very short one for Chicago. We know, um, and again, we've mentioned it tonight, the the big key um, big men in this in this Eastern Conference, they're going to come up against you know, a really big front court in Giannis and Puk Lopez and Bobby Portis in, in um, this first round. And 
you know, they're just going to need the big fella to step up here. Um, it's been a little bit hot and cold all season. It took him a while to kind of get into any sort of rhythm. And, you know, we, we've obviously loved the play of DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. But, you know, really, he needs to be become an offensive force a, a, again here, just averaging the 17 points, 11 boards this season. Um, you know, and, and the numbers are even less than that just in April um, so far, just the nine points a game. So we saw him sort of come to life, you know, at the turn of the calendar year and at a really big February showing that he was capable of that 21, 22 point a game range. And that's probably, I think, where he's got to get back to because as much as, um, you know, I think DeRozan's going to, you know, there's not a lot of variation in what he can bring to the table day to day. I think Levine is going to be, you know, a little bit more uh, around how good his shooting is on any given night to to see how effective he's going to be. But Vukovic, in terms of the big man, just needs to be able to stay on the floor, give them offensive um, a real offensive punch um, because, you know, behind that it's, it is Tristan Thompson and then it gets really thinner again and again after that. So Vucevic for mine, step up, big fella, give us something. Um, I don't have a huge amount of hope, as I mentioned, in this first round. I think it'll be pretty quick maybe. You know, we'll touch on it next week, but I'm, I'm looking at maybe a 4-1 deficit already if you're looking at it, um, and that might be might be being generous. Um, so, yeah, Vucevic needs a big series, absolutely, straight out of the gate. He certainly does. He's going to have his work cut out against potentially Giannis or or Brook Lopez or, or my man uh, Big Bobby Portis. I'm not sure who he'll end up guarding, but yeah, he's certainly going to have his work cut out. I'm going to go with with uh, Pat Patrick Williams, who we obviously know missed a, a fair chunk of the season, and the reason is because he's going to be called upon to defensively. Who do you think? Who do you think Williams will guard, Caddy? Could it be Giannis, or do you think it's probably more likely a Chris Middleton? Yeah, I think probably the latter. I think it'd be a lot to ask of Patrick Williams to come in, and you know, he had a really good game today when a lot of the players uh, sat out. But um, no, I think initially it's sort of that Middleton type. Um, you know, Giannis is just such a, a different athlete. But that's it. He's, there'll be times where he's going to have to go in there, and, and we know the Bulls do play a little bit smaller at times. Um, so you know, if he if he if he's asked to play, you know, the power forward or the center uh, position for extended minutes, he will he will get plenty of moments where he's head-to-head with Giannis, but, yeah, unfortunately, I think that'll end for him, for him either. So, yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, probably the worst matchup that we could have asked for from a Chicago Bulls point of view. But, yeah, Pat, look, the fact that Pat Williams is out there, he's going to get some reps here in the playoffs, which is um, going to be great for his development. Certainly is. It's not over yet, Caddy. Don't, it's not over. Anything can happen. But, yeah, Patrick Williams, for me, is an X factor just because he is going to have to guard one of the one of the best offensive players from them for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's actually shot the three ball on limited opportunities uh, pretty well, 51% at only under two, two a game. But if you can knock down the threes and, and defend some of these guys well, well, at least, Caddy, they might get to a game five. You never know. But I think, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the Chicago Bulls, unfortunately, will have their work cut out for them. We'll talk about the playing series now, Caddy. So over in the West, we'll start with, we've got Minnesota, Versus the Clippers and the Pelicans versus the Spurs. Who, who do you who do you see first off, Caddy, uh, winning that Minnesota versus Clippers game? Oh, I probably feel a bit better about the way the Clippers have finished the season. Clearly, you're on a five game winning streak. I know Minnesota um, sat most of their uh, key players today, but um, look, that, that, I'd be pretty nervous being um, a Timberwolf in that one. I mean, I think the, their arena will certainly be be rocking. I mean, this is a huge opportunity for them to have any sort of meaningful uh, basketball in the city. They haven't seen it since that pretty ordinary uh, first round exit um, back in the Jimmy Butler era. So outside of that, it's been, you know, God only knows how long since they've had um, a playoff game 
in that town. So that, look, I, I'd, ex- I'd expect the the place to be buzzing, but I think the Clippers, um, all things being equal, if they've got you know Paul George out on the court, I think they're a bit deeper and a bit more um, probably ready for the moment uh, to take you know to win that game away and 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 uh, lock in there that, that seven seed. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm actually going to stick with Minnesota. I think that they've had almost a sort of an under-talked about season. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, who we both had in our All-NBA teams, has been outstanding. Anthony Edwards, who hit a bit of a flat period uh, towards the end of the season, they apparently had a bit of a knee injury that he was playing through, but seems to be sort of back to his best. And obviously, D'Angelo Russell as well has had his moments throughout the season. So I think with those three players there, they've certainly got a, some guys who can put points on the board. And as you said, that the crowd there will be will be going bananas, given that they've had such a lack of playoff uh, experience, I suppose, over the last you know, 10, 15 years or whatever it may be. So I actually like Minnesota in that first game against the Clippers. What about the Pelicans-Spurs, Caddy? Do you think that's a pretty easy one for the Pelicans, or do you think that the Spurs could actually give them a run for their money? Yeah, I actually think the Spurs are in this up to their eyeballs. If you know, I think they've made the decision at some point, you know, later in the season to to make a run at the the play-in, where it looked like um, for a fair way out that they were going to be quite happy, sort of sitting a bit uh, a bit lower in and, and looking after a lottery spot. But um, now I, I think they're going to be in it. Um, but the fact they've got big Yaka Portal back into the lineups, uh, big DeAndre Dejounte Murray, as we've mentioned a few times this year, had a really really strong season. And uh, I, I think um, you know I, I'd, I'd have that right on the flip of a coin that game. And um, you know, other than the fact that it's in New Orleans, I'd actually probably be selecting San Antonio to win it. But um, I'll stick with the home side, just in a bit of a thriller that one. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the Pelicans. I just think their offensive uh, firepower, Ingram, McCollum, you know, they're guys that are capable of putting up 30-plus points in any game. Valentunas as well can put points on the on the board. Herb Jones is a very good defender, so you'd imagine that he'd probably try and harass uh, DeJounte Murray as much as possible. So I just think they've got a bit too much uh, firepower on the offensive end. So that would mean you would have Minnesota versus Pelicans in the second game. I would have the Clippers versus the Pelicans in the second game. Who do you see as that second team getting through to the actual playoffs? In terms of the way I've got it, I'll, um, I'll have um, the Minnesota Timberwolves as a straight sets exit from the, oh, no. from the, from the, from the seventh you slot. You can't do that to the Timberwolves, Caddy. You well, can't do that know, to them. I just feel like it just could be one of these unfortunate situations for them. Um, if they lose that first game, it could be a free fall. Straight out, but look, you know they'll, they'll you know, they're, they're going to be well placed. They'll get to play at home in that case if they do lose. But um, yeah, for the for the sake of the exercise, I'll um, I'll have the Timberwolves as a straight sets exit. No, so you, so you're going the Clippers the seventh seed and the Pelicans the eighth seed. I'm going as it is at the moment. I think Minnesota, as I said, will beat the Clippers, and then I think the Clippers will be too experienced uh, for the Pelicans, and and it would be as it is, which would be a little bit boring. Moving now over into the East Caddy, we've got the 7-8 seed, the Brooklyn Nets versus uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers who have got, you know, the question mark of what's going to ha- happen with Jared Allen and then Atlanta versus Charlotte. So we'll, we'll start with Brooklyn versus Cleveland. Is this a just a, a walk-up job for the Brooklyn Nets or do you think the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers have any chance of causing an upset? No, I think Cleveland will be feisty. I think we've got to give them that respect. They've had, a, as we said, a number of times a terrific season under all sorts of adversity. So, look, I'll, I'll give them some respect that I think they can make a game of it. But I think the fact that the Brooklyn were able to tie up that seventh seed, the home court advantage in that first round or first playing game, I think is significant. And I think really they just want to get through that and lock in that playoff seed and at least 
start preparing for, you know, what's going to be a pretty dangerous matchup there against Boston in the first round. And, you know, whether they, all things being equal, would be feeling reasonably good about themselves in that one. So, no, Brooklyn for mine in that home court game against Cleveland. Yeah, totally agree. that They're just similar to, to what I said about the Pelicans, just, just far too much offensive power for the Cleveland. You know, the big question over Jared Allen, whether or not he comes back for this playing game hasn't really been answered at the moment. And unfortunately, the Cleveland have just had too many injuries that have compounded their season uh, towards the end of it. What about Atlanta versus Charlotte? That, that'll, you'd imagine, uh, both teams will probably score over 130 given the, the neither team pays a lot of uh, attention on the defensive end. How, how do you see this one shaping out, Caddy? Yeah, I think you're right. It's going to be an absolute shootout. There's uh, no doubt about that. And, and I think both their key players are going to feel pretty good about that. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be any concern to guys like Lamelo Ball and Terry Rozier um, to come out and you know have to put up big numbers. But I think in this case, it, you know, if it is what we think it is, it just probably just leans a little bit towards the Trey Young led Atlanta Hawks to to yeah to look to sew up a, a playoff spot uh, for this season potentially. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's 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 pretty much just the Trey Young factor for me. He's been. He's had an outstanding season. We both voted him again on our All-NBA teams. So you'd imagine that, uh, yeah, he's going to have, and we saw during the playoffs last year where he was, you know, having massive games at Madison Square Garden. So that that's the reason I would side with Atlanta. We still haven't heard much about John Collins, whether he's due back or there hasn't been much of an update for, for a while now. So hopefully he can get back out there, but it's probably looking unlikely given we haven't heard anything about him. So you'd, you've got Brooklyn... Uh, getting the seventh seed, that would mean Cleveland versus Atlanta for that last spot. Are you doing the same as you did in Minnesota and uh, getting Cleveland out of straight sets, Caddy? Oh, I am, yeah. I think Atlanta, if I can get through that first game, uh, take on some momentum, win the next game, lock up the eighth seed and, and be a bit of a feisty um, you know, opponent there for the for your Miami Heat in the first round. So um, yeah, all aboard the Trey Young train here in these playing games. I think they can get through. In both of them, and um, yeah, like in a playoff spot, which I think um, would at the start of the year we would have thought would have been a bare minimum requirement for for a team with such talent. Yeah, it certainly would have been, and I agree. I see them getting past Cleveland, and again, yeah, it's not going to be a first round playoff series that uh, Miami are going to be super comfortable with. I wouldn't think coming up against the the Eastern Conference uh, finalists last year, but uh, I've got no doubt that the Heat will will welcome it and give Trey Young uh, hell uh, every night. So we'll call it there, Caddy. As I said, we'll jump into the to playoff matchups uh, next week. We've got the Plains uh, tournament starting on Wednesday, I think. So we've got a couple of days till that starts. So it'll uh, be exciting and interesting to see how those games pan out. But as I say, every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download the pod, this podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts as yet and given us a five-star rating, if you could do that, that would be much appreciated. We also have the Facebook page up and going where all the episodes get uh, posted on there. So if you like that page, you know when an episode goes down. Until next week, we'll talk to you then.